Hello and welcome to my podcast, How I Teach Golf. My name's Duncan Walger and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back everybody to another episode of How I Teach Golf. Um, when I went over to America in 2009 to take my level one um, plain truth certification, um, I then attended uh, the summit later that year, I think it was in about October, and uh, I got introduced to another Jim Hardy. Uh, now we had a little problem because obviously we can't have two Jim Hardys on the range teaching and talking, so um, we kind of came up with a, a little abbreviated uh, saying for, for this Jim Hardy, which is YBL, so the younger, better looking Jim Hardy, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you. Thank you. Actually, I think we go back even before that. Didn't we first meet in Arizona? Oh, we did. Um, and uh, there was quite was a sold. few people there that have done quite well. Yeah, on. that was, uh, was that 2005? I think so. I think so. So that would have been uh, at Mike and Sandy LeBeau's place at the Western Keeland. That's right. And we had a couple of guys there that were just about to start a thing called TPI. Yeah, Titleist Performance Institute. They were hoping right. it was going to be all right. Yeah, they were, they were hoping that it was going to work out for them. And they did. <laughs> I think they did pretty well. Right. <laughs> and there was some other, there was uh, Laird Small. Yeah. Who's, I think he's director of instruction at Pebble Beach. Is that right? I believe that's correct, yeah. Um, Doug Fitzgerald, who was the professional at Stanford University Golf Club or something like that. Right. Stan Utley turned up to show us this uh, new putting training aid that he'd invented. Right. With, um, Olin, Olin Brown was there. Oh, I was hitting balls next to Olin Brown. This guy had it on a rope for two days. I was so embarrassed standing there hitting balls next to him. Yeah. In a, I, he he set up next to me. I just moved. <laughs> oh so i got your spot right thanks <laughs> so before that jim before you met jim hardy as as uh, as we know him as the owl um older one um how did you get into golf and what was because your background you're a multi-sport athlete is that right yeah in, in school i played everything um I didn't play in on my high school golf team um, just because the seasons overlapped a little bit. And uh, um, at that point, golf really wasn't all that cool. So I did track and football um, uh, primarily. And in fact, uh, was uh, really into pole vaulting of all things. Um, and uh, that was what I really excelled at. So how, um, so how old did you continue to do athletics and pole vaulting too before golf kind of took over so I, I actually uh, played golf since i was six or seven years old all throughout that it was a it was a thing that my dad and i and my grandfather and my dad and i would do together all the while but um, uh, i pole vaulted all the way through to my senior year of high school where i actually got injured pole vaulting and oh. and um and that was that it kind of changed that actually was a life-changing event where I had to change plans from um, I had planned on going to the University of Oklahoma on a track scholarship and then and then that went away and so I um, um, ended up going to the University of Houston and then and then just uh, ended up um, totally lucky in the car wash business and made a little bit of money in the car wash business and then when I sold that business I had the opportunity to get into the golf business so I my first foray into the into the golf business was in the mid '90s, and I bought a driving range and built a nine-hole lighted par three course. Wow! So you owned a driving range and built a nine-hole course. That's right. Yeah. So you were getting people in into the game. How old were you at this point? Pardon me. How old were you at this point? Uh, let's see. That would have been thirty-five-ish. Uh, okay. So you were golf. Um, Driving range and golf course owner at 35-ish. Were you doing the PGA, the American PGA? I did. I got started with that. Actually, I was a little closer to 30 than 35 now that okay. I do the math. Um, um, and so, yeah, I, I actually didn't intend to, to become a PGA pro. I just was going to run the run the shop and do the things and run the business and have some fun. And, and I got involved in teaching a junior camp for summer. And 
one of my partners in that business was a PGA golf professional. And he said, if you're going to teach, you need to go through the PGA and get your, get your accreditation. And so I did, um, went, went through that. And that was, that was interesting. That was interesting to go through there that, that, that had a, that whole program had a broad spectrum of, of, of classes and, and subjects that you could take that, that, that helped me a little bit as I was new in the golf business and didn't know much about golf cart fleet management or F and B management and, um, and things like that. So that was actually pretty beneficial for me. So, and then, and at this point you were teaching groups of juniors already. Started teaching groups of juniors, then started doing individual lessons, um, um, and in fact, um, um, that's actually how I ended up meeting the other Jim Hardy, um, um, one of the vendors who uh, called on me there came in, I introduced myself and he said, oh, I played on tour with your dad. And I said, <laughs> well, that's not likely. Uh, my dad was a rocket scientist at NASA. So, uh, <laughs> so, so he started telling me about this other Jim Hardy and what a great teacher he was and what a great uh, player he was and and that he lived in Houston also and so I uh, decided that I wanted to seek him out and get a lesson and so to make a long long story short I, I called a couple of times and his secretary kind of hung up on me basically and said <laughs> you know you must be joking with this whole Jim Hardy thing and and uh, Jim only teaches tour players anyways and and so finally I called back and I asked her for Jim's voicemail and she put me through and so I left a voicemail that went something to the effect of hi my name is Jim Hardy interesting coincidence I'm new to the PGA golf professional business and I'm teaching about 100 lessons a month already I'm struggling with half of them the other half I'm doing quite well with quite quickly um, and if you're tired of seeing 80 next to our name in the newspaper when I play golf tournaments you have to give me a lesson <laughs> so he called me back almost immediately it was within 10 minutes and he said I really don't care about the 80 but you got my attention when you mentioned that you're only helping half your students right away so he said I'll help you become a better teacher and I bet you become a better player too and and um and that really sparked a, uh, a relationship a mentorship and a friendship that's lasted um, uh, to this day, Jim was here in town in Pinehurst to do a school with me just a few weeks ago. And, um, um, I, um, he literally taught me how to teach, um, in a, in a method that, um, as you know, we, we pride ourselves on getting the next ball better. And so, um, great, great opportunity to meet a guy with the same name for sure. So you grew up, did you grow up in Houston? Jim? I did. You did? I did. Yeah. And then, so you're still teaching at the range at this point and seeing Jim and um, then, then you were at another golf club, weren't you? Just down the road from where Jim was at, at Black Horse. You were just down the road at Hearthstone, is that what it was called? That's right, yeah. So I had, uh, uh, I, I sold my range in golf course or sold my, my, my percentage of ownership in those two and then bought another range and then sold that. And then I went to work for Hearthstone um, so that I could uh, be, be better available to help with, you know, kid duty and things like that. We had four kids. And so um, the um, um, Hearthstone Country Club was literally, as the crow flies, probably 10 miles from where the golf course, Black Horse, where Jim designed that golf course and then taught there. Um, and so we had regular lunches there, usually on Mondays. Mm -hmm. And so that was, that was great to have that there. It was fun to have him around where I could – you know, bounce ideas off and, and have lunch and just shoot the breeze and talk about the golf swing. And, and you learn something every time you're, you spend any time with him at all. Absolutely. And then, so what made, what, how come the switch? And cause I know the position that I want to talk about is the one that you're currently, currently doing. So how did the process or was it a phone call or email or it was advertised for the position you're currently doing and speak a little about that, if you will, Jim. Sure. Um, interesting story, also including the other Jim Hardy, um, as it turns out. He, he and I were having lunch one Monday, and he said, hey, I've got an um, uh, interesting meeting coming up. The people, the, the management with U.S. Kids Golf has called me, and has, uh, they've uh, arranged to have a half day with me. They want to talk about golf instruction and curriculum and so on and so forth. And he said, you, you do mostly junior golf, so why don't you sit in on it with me? And 
and we'll 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 see what we can do to help them. And so um, I met the owner of U.S. Kids Golf, his son, the vice president, actually two vice presidents, and um, another fellow that worked with with the Coach Institute at U.S. Kids Golf. And and um, we met at lunch at Black Horse, and the conversation quickly turned into understanding your student. Um, more from a standpoint of what motivates them by their personality profile than um, than necessarily by what curriculum you were going to teach them. He felt like that it was an important thing to understand, you know, what motivated your students. And so uh, as uh, and as a result, they got introduced to uh, PDP, which is a product that uh, Jennifer Monroe had had shown to Jim the other Jim Hardy years, years before. And, mm. and, um, so anyways, to make a, uh, to shorten the story a little bit, um, about six months later, I decided that I wanted to make a change and I wanted to change where I was teaching. Um, I'd kind of outgrown the facility I was at and, um, I, I just felt like I needed a, needed a change. And I actually, in my mind, I was thinking I would probably move over either to black horse and teach with Marty Fleckman or, or, um, there was another golf course that was in between my course and, and black horse, but on a whim, I called Jennifer Monroe and I said, Hey, you know, we, I met with the U S kids folks and, um, I wonder if they might have something that I might be interested in. And she says, Oh my gosh, great timing. <laughs> I'm going to call you right back. So she hung up and called the owner of U S kids golf and, and let him know that I was, um, um, in the market. Um, and might be interested in making a move. And so at that point, U.S. Kids Golf, um, which they, they have a, uh, an LLC, uh, a corporation that sells the golf clubs that does quite well. And, and, and 15 years ago, they started a foundation to start tournaments and do the Coach Institute um, and the coach training. And so it's a not-for-profit entity of U.S. Kids Golf. Um, and they had saved enough money to uh, make an investment in the industry and they bought a golf course in the Pinehurst area. And the, their idea was, is that they were going to use the golf course as a living laboratory to test some of the ideas that they had both in how to run a golf course and how to teach golf. Um, and so um, anyways, uh, um, I talked to Dan Van Horn, the owner of us kids golf shortly after I talked to Jennifer and he told me about his plan and, and, and he said, We're, what, would I be interested in taking a look? And, and he asked me if I'd ever been to Pinehurst. And I said, you know, I'd never have. So he flew me to Pinehurst and I was there in two days um, and, and, and toured the golf course that they bought um, and met a, 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 a few more people with, with U.S. Kids Golf and listened to their plan and their mission uh, for this golf course and the facility. And um, and was intrigued immediately. Um, and so I, I took the job as director of instruction, um, and my marching orders then were to build an academy, a junior golf academy, um, out of nothing. They, they, had, they had done zero lessons at this facility. The facility was kind of in shambles, so we had to make a pretty big capital investment in getting the facility back in shape. Um, and so uh, while doing that, I started a junior academy, and we started started small. Um, uh, but in in the in last calendar year, I had f uh, um, just under 450 individual students throughout the year, um, and so a little over a hundred thousand in revenue um, for just our little after school classes and Saturday classes that 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 we wanted to test as a. Uh, really kind of a new product that we call the Star Program Academy, which is um, solely directed at introducing golf to kids um, uh, with the thought that we need to make golf fun enough, long enough until they get hooked. Um, um, so how does, that, how, does, how does that happen? So, listen, you know, you know, I've got two daughters, one that's 10, one that's just eight. So right. They, I'm in the Pinehurst area. I've moved over to Pinehurst. Um, my girls want to get into golf. So what do we do? What happens? So so first thing you notice is, is that when you when you when you happen upon our website, um, we make it very simple. Um, you can uh, try for free. The first class is on me. Um, our classes are uh, during the school year. They're every day after school at four o'clock. 
Um, my Monday class is for elementary age level three and four students. My Tuesday class is for elementary age level one and two students. My Wednesday class is for middle school and high school and also elementary aged advanced students. Then my Thursday class is a scoring class. My Friday class is an all girls class. And then Saturday, we do all those classes over again, except for the girls class. Um, okay. and so you get to try it for free. Then the other thing that's a little bit different is we make sure that you know you don't need equipment. Um, I have uh, what we call academy sets in all sizes, um, both right-handed and left-handed, with formed grips or training grips on all of the clubs so that um, when you come here, um, typically – even if you bring your own set, I give you a set of our clubs to use in the beginning stages so that you're using clubs that have the form grips on them. Um, because learning the grip as a, as a youngster um, and teaching the grip as a oldster is not fun for anyone. And so <laughs> we just put their hands on the, on a form grip and say, okay, just line that line up between your thumb and hand. And that's how you hold the club. Okay. Now let's go have some fun. And so, um, uh, that's that's really been the key is is that the um, um, we 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 have programming, um, not events. In other words, I don't have six week classes or eight week classes or two month classes. I have I have a, a class on Monday that fits this skill level and age, and I have a class on Tuesday that fits that skill level and age, and it's always there. Um, and so what ends up happening is is a, a kid will start off on Tuesday. And in anywhere from eight weeks to six months, they've graduated to Monday. And then after that, they graduate to Wednesday. And so um, it, it allows the kids to learn at their own pace um, rather than slowing down the, the, um, the, the kid great athletic DNA cocktail. Yep. Um, uh, we let them go as fast as they want. Um, and, and rather than hurrying the, the, the folks that are a little bit more tentative to get into it, we let them learn at their own pace. Um, um, and so we, we kind of have a, a mantra here where we say uh, we teach lightly. We play games that increase the skill that we're after. Um, we measure and award pins. Um, we always have a next step and we get on the go as possible. So a lot of times a kid's first day at, at one of our after school classes might include a warm up a little bit of putting, a little bit of chipping, a little bit of full swing, and then an introduc introduction to the golf course that day uh, where we get out and play a couple of holes from 50 yards away from the, the green. Okay. Um, and, so how, yeah. the, how many could you have in that class? How many what, – what's the sort of range from like two to how many? So we, we have a six-to-one teacher-to-coach ratio okay. usually. Sometimes it creeps up to eight-to-one. Um, but but uh, when the weather's nice, like right now, we'll have as many as 24 kids in a class um, and enough coaches to take care of, of those kids. It's been it's uh, it's been quite popular. It's um, um, uh, for especially for such a small community. There's only a th hundred thousand people in this county and five thousand elementary school uh, uh, elementary aged school uh kids so um I was, i've actually been really pleased with the the turnout um uh, but then then a, a, as a result of kind of us playing with this at the living laboratory we've developed our 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 level one through five curriculum that is um, um very very simple it, it's game based in in how it's taught um and the kids continue to have fun and stay engaged because they have the opportunity to earn achievement pins throughout each level. So in each level, you have a, a pin that you can earn for putting, for around the green, for full swing, for knowledge, for scoring, and then you earn a mastered pin. And when you earn your mastered pin, you get to make an acceptance speech in front of your peers, and then you move to the next level. Um, and so um, it's, it's been quite fun, and, and we've, we've, we've created some golfers here. It's been really fun. Uh, we've been at it uh, almost three years. Um, and we've had some kids that have come in at level one and um, have qualified for their first U.S. Kids World Championship this year. Um, and so, um, yeah, obviously, that those those kids have, uh, uh, you know, great athletic DNA and and they took to it quickly. They enjoyed the 
the fun games-based aspect of it and, um, and just fell in love with golf. And that's really, that's really our job, I think, in the beginning um, with what we call our Star Program Academy. Our, our job is to, is to not necessarily teach golf. Um, we're teaching that golf is fun and golf occurs as a result of that um, because we're using golf as the sport, but we're making sure that it's fun. Um, and games-based learning is an in- interesting frontier. I think a lot of people have, 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 have definitely been exposed to it, um, but, the, but we're actually pretty clever with the games that we play. For example, when we're teaching putting, we might set up a tic-tac-toe board on the green and, and have each kid have five balls of their own, their different colors, and, and then they try to make a tic-tac-toe from just off the edge of the, the, the board. And each square is maybe a three-foot square. Um, and so um, without them really realizing it, they're playing a fun game with lots of colorful golf balls with lots of their friends, but they're learning how to control the distance and direction of their golf ball on the ground um, in a games-based fun way. Um, and so they're learning without really being taught. Um, they've been, they've, they've just been given a little, some simple forms, um, how to hold it, how to stand next to it, and then let's go play a game. Um, and so, um, it's been wonderful to watch the kids, um, um, just take to it and, and learn it quickly this way. And can that get quite competitive, Jim? It can, um, you know, it's funny, the, the, uh, as you know, there's, there's four main motivators that, that we all have. All of us have uh, are a little bit more motivated by one than the other three. And so uh, about 10% of the population are really highly competitive. Um, um, and so you, you see those kids for sure. Uh, that just makes it fun. Um, most of the kids are just interested in um, the fact that there's a plan and there's some structure and there's a game and we're going to play the game and it's fun and, and I'm just going to continue to do my best. Um, and then, and then of course you have the kids that are fired up and do the Tiger Woods fist pump right away. And and (laughs) so, so that's fun to see too, for sure. So then when you go on the golf course, so if it's first session, I think you mentioned that you would start at 50 yards, but do you, you, the the golf course itself can be played from an an amazing amount of different distances. Can you speak to uh, about that? Sure. So two, two points about that. One is uh, from, from the academy standpoint, from teaching kids, um, each, each of the levels has a scoring aspect to it, a, 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 a scoring ability test, if you will. Um, and so for level one, uh, the student must make a score of six or better from 50 yards from the hole three times. And that may take only three tries. It may take 20 tries, but whatever mm-hmm. it takes to get them through that, that, then um, that gets them through the scoring aspect of level one. And then level two, we move them back to 100 yards. Same idea. They score six or better three times. And then for level three, uh, three scores of six or better from 150 yards. Then level four and five, we use a modified course. Uh, we call it the 1350 um, because the, we play the par four holes from 150, the par three holes from 100, and the par five holes from 200. And so then for level four, they have to score a 54 for the nine holes. And for level five, they have to score a score of 51 twice. And then they can move on uh, to the advanced level six through 10 levels. But um, the, 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 one of the early things that we did from, for, the, for the golf industry is Dan Van Horn had had in mind a new T system. Um, and he'd had it in mind for a long time. And he got, I think he got the idea originally from setting up local tour events and world championships for kids and scaling the golf course for their links. Um, and so for, for example, our, our kids that are six and under play a golf course that's 1100 yards okay. for nine holes. And so then when they get a little, uh, a year or two older, then they play a golf course that's 1500 yards and then um, 1800 yards and then 20, uh, uh, 2100 yards and then so on. And so they, um, uh, what he also found was um, that he would watch um, players play from either the women's tee or the senior tee or the men's tee or the championships tee. And they were not having the same experience as a good player would. Uh, they were not able to reach greens and regulation um, sometimes ever 
um, because they were playing from a tee that was just too far back. Mm -hmm. And so he thought that it would be a really good idea to make a tee system not based on your age or gender or your handicap, but based strictly on how far do you hit your driver. And so what he found was is that um, uh, with all of the track man data that's available to us, if you wanted a, a hole, for example, if the, if, the, if the good player from the back tee plays a par four with a driver and a seven iron, TrackMan data tells us that a seven iron goes 64% of your carry distance of your driver on average. And so by doing the math, you could figure out how to create a driver seven iron hole for players who hit it anywhere from 100 yards to 275 yards in the air. Um, and as it turned out, um, for every 25 yards of distance you pick up or lose with a driver, you can add uh, 600, sorry, uh, 600 yards to the golf course, to an 18-hole uh, golf course. So we actually have seven sets of tees on our golf course here. Um, and that was the first major renovation that we did is that we added uh, over 50 sets of tees to the golf course that it, it had four sets of tees. So we, we moved some tees and then we added quite a few tees so that there's seven sets of tees on every hole. So if you hit your driver 100 yards in the air, we have a tee for you. If you hit your driver 175 yards, we have a tee for you. If you hit your driver 250 yards in the air, we have a tee for you. Um, and so then the idea is, is that if, if, um, if, you're, if you're playing from the correct tee and you hit your average tee shot, um, you might have a, a foursome playing from four different tees, um, and they should have the same second shot um, ironed. So it should be a driver seven iron for everybody, for example. Um, and, and so it's worked out quite well. It's been, it really has started to get some traction. Um, there's uh, over a hundred other golf courses have adopted it. Um, Reese Jones has become a big champion for it. The, um, um, there's a, a, an association of golf course architects that have uh, adopted the idea and they're using that on a lot of their new construction and remodel of older golf courses. Um, so there, it basically gives you the opportunity to uh, add um, more products to your existing golf course. Um, um, so in other words, if your shortest golf course is 5,000 yards, let's say from the forward tees, you know, you can add three or four new sets of tees in front of that um, and be able to accommodate players of, of varying abilities. And that, that doesn't matter whether, you, like you said, that's not age specific or gender specific either. No, so you could, not you at could all. have you could have um, a young a young lad playing with his grandfather, grandmother, and and mum, and everyone could be off different tees. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so, what's really been interesting is um, we've we've kept lots of data here, and and um, um, Pinehurst, uh, aside from being the cradle of American golf, is actually quite a retirement destination. We have. Um, a large retirement community. And what I didn't know when I first got here, but what I found out was, is that a lot of the women here um, that were avid golfers did not take up golf until after their husbands had retired or after they had retired. Uh -huh. And so a lot of the women members here have never in their life hit a golf ball more than a hundred yards in the air. Um, um, just because of the, you know, the effects of age on us, we just don't hit it as far anymore. Um, and so since they didn't start playing golf until they were already seniors, um, they've never hit it a long ways. Um, and yet we put them on a golf course that was about 5,000 yards, which by our estimates, you should hit the ball at least 175 yards in the air to play a 5,000 yard golf course. So, so they, were, they were playing on a golf course that was way too long for them and therefore the potential for it to be too difficult, therefore unenjoyable, or their enjoyment levels would be decreased, would 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 be greater. Oh my gosh, yeah. They were playing a par 90 golf course because they basically had a catch-up shot on every hole or an yeah. inconsequential shot. Um, you know, the, you, 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 if you look at a lot of, of, of the equipment of, of that demographic of golfers, um, and their five iron and four iron and, and six iron are pristine because they've never been used. Yeah. <laughs> um, they've hit, they've hit driver, then they've hit a three wood or two, and then they hit a wedge and a putter. So, um, um, yeah, so we, it's interesting. The, uh, the, 
the the you can actually see all of this information at um, uh, at longleaftsystem.com. We we put this information out there. It's free for anybody. You can you can literally do a little bit of math and kind of retrofit a tee at any golf course suited to your distance. Um, um, and so I've, I've heard people that get this information, they go back to their home course, their home course, golf course, uh, the, the shortest tee is about 5,000 yards and they need a golf course. That's about, you know, 3,800 yards. So they just do a little bit of math and find out where that spot would be on each hole. And they begin to play from there, um, without even a marker, um, uh, because they, they know that that that's the that's the um, that's the experience that they want. Um, interesting. You I, I know that you uh, and I both met Barney Adams uh, yeah. uh, one time in Arizona. And, and I was talking to him about the play it forward or the tee it forward initiative. And um, he told me something that I don't know that very many people know. But that initiative was a, a, originally called the tour experience. And can you imagine how much more successful that would have been if they'd have just left that name? Um, because the tour experience meant that, you know, if my favorite tour player hits a driver in a seven iron on this hole, I should too. Yeah. I, I just need to play from a different tee uh, to make that happen. Um, and, and, and then in, a, in a, uh, assuming that you, and, and I think this is a, this is an, a topic of, of great discussion at times, um, distance and the acquisition of distance for most people is um, uh, could be unattainable. Um, in other words, I, if I took Mrs. Abernathy, who is 65 years old, and, and we work hard on a fitness routine and we tweak her clubs so that they're perfect and we tweak her swing so that it's the best it's ever been, I, we might get seven to ten more yards out of, out of her tee, tee shots. Well, that's probably not going to get her back to the, the normal ladies' tees. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you take distance uh, out of the equation as far as a skill, take distance out as a skill, and that's where the argument starts a lot of times, um, then then you make it a fair fight. If we're both hitting a driver and a seven iron because we're playing the, the proper tee, then it's a, it's a fair game. What about then with regards to length of time to get around the golf course if everyone's off of lots of different tees? It actually takes less time to play fewer shots than it does to play more tees. So the, um, and that, that, that happens. We have, uh, especially with families, um, but then even, even guys who have enjoyed playing with each other for a long time that have adopted this tee system, they're playing in a foursome playing from three different tees sometimes. But since they're, that since there's no longer that inconsequential shot, the catch up shot, mm. it, it, it is it we've actually been um, able to see that the length of time to play has been shortened um, so does one, then, does then handicap go out the window uh, no it still works uh, the handicapping system still works it's it's mathematical gymnastics but it still works okay um, all all of the golf courses all of the tees that we have are rated um, and so you can you can establish a handicap from one and then play for another and, and then apply the math to that, um, which happens at times. Um, um, the I, I, I understand from the the talk that I hear about the world handicapping system that's that's being worked on is that they're going to adopt uh, temporary tees. They're going to adopt you know rounds of golf from temporary tees. They're going to adopt uh, shorter rounds of golf, six hole mm-hmm. rounds of golf, or what have you, and um, and be able to establish a handicap that way. Uh, and I really like that talk. I think that's, 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 that's kind of what we need. The, um, um, the handicap system and the way that golf courses are rated is solely based on distance. It's almost 98% about the distance of the golf course. And the method that they use to rate golf courses is, is kind of funny too, because it's based on a fictitious golfer that hits at 200 yards. Well, uh, as a result of that, our, our blue tee or our, or our most forward tee, which is 3,200 yards, um, is rated at, at 58.2 because in the rating system, they have a golfer that actually hits at 200 yards. Uh, well, that's longer than some of the holes. So, uh, <laughs> so it just doesn't work. Uh, you can't uh, play. 
Yeah. So if you and I, and, and you and I are excellent golfers, of course, if we went out and played our most forward tees, we might struggle shooting at 58. Um, uh, but uh, uh, anyways, what's that? You're not wrong there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's uh, because we teach too much though, right? This is true. This is right. true. That's my excuse. <laughs> that's mine too. So the, so so the long, to... oh, go ahead. Carry on. Carry on. I was just going to say the long leaf tea system is, uh, has been a wonderful experiment here. Um, there, there, there has at times been pushback from the members, uh, because they, you know, anything new, uh, there's, there's usually a little bit of pushback from, or, uh, 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 against in the beginning. Um, and then of course there's a little bit of ego when, when we do our tea assessments, um, um, which is another interesting story. We, we actually just have, uh, what we call lollipops running down the middle of our driving range and they're color coded and number coded to the tees that are out on the golf course. So when you're warming up, just hit a few drivers and take note of, of which sign your ball is carrying past and then go play that, that tee. It's that simple. It's that simple. Yeah. Just, just go play that tee. When we do with our men's golf associations here and our women's golf associations here, every, every season we do a tee assessment where we, we do it outside, but we also have a, uh, either a track man or a, a flight scope or something out there to verify the number. Uh, but we just watch the ball go out there and it lands next to the, the orange pole. And we say, okay, you're, you're rated for the orange tees then. So go play the orange tees. Um, fun, kind of a funny story that's happened. Uh, uh, you know, obviously some people are more reluctant than others to change. And I've had a couple of guys that have argued with me to the point, and you know me, I don't back down from very many arguments, <laughs> uh, uh, so, but they've argued with me to the point where I've got right to the end of my patience. And I've said, okay, well, you know that Longleaf now is owned by U S kids golf and it's a living laboratory, which makes you a lab rat. So go get me, go get me some data and then we can discuss it, but you have to go get me some data from the right tee first. And, and um, so I've had that conversation with three or four gentlemen out here and uh, it, and it's turned out the same way every time after they played the correct tee a few times, they, you couldn't move them back to their other tee with a shotgun. They just won't move back. Um, so they like they like staying on the tee that they're actually assessed for because it gives them an opportunity to have the tour experience. They have the birdie putts now and they have the opportunity to make easy pars you know, instead of it being always a miracle to make a par, it's actually kind of common now. Um, and so, um, it's, it's, it's a, it's an idea that makes so much sense. Um, in fact, when Dan Van Horn was first showing it to me, we went and measured all seven tees on the first hole and I didn't get it yet. I didn't understand exactly what he was doing and he kept explaining it to me. And by the time we had measured out the second tee on the second hole, I did the old V8 head slap because I wish I'd have thought of it. It's so simple and makes so much sense. So then does it, do you find that it encourages instead of having to turn around to anyone and say, I know it says 442 yards par four, but we're going to play it as a par seven for you. Right. Yeah. We don't like that. No, that's, that's no fun. Um, it's no fun to just change the par arbitrarily because you know, you're a beginner or you stink or you're playing the wrong tee. Um, so leave the, leave the par alone and just move, move the, move the tee. Um, it's similar to if your girls have played basketball, that's a good example. They, when they started out playing basketball, they didn't start on a 10 foot rim and a full court. They started on a, a half court with probably a seven foot rim. Um, and so um, it's this, we're just scaling based on the ability Um um, and so a lot of people get, take a look at this and they go, oh, yeah, that's a great idea for kids. But it's really actually more for adults uh, than it is for kids. We already knew we had to scale the golf course for kids. When U.S. Kids goes, goes and does a golf tournament, we set up um, seven or eight temporary tees for that tournament. Um, and so we already know that we scale it for kids. Um, uh, but, 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 but what the industry didn't really know is, is that the golf courses, um, the tee distances – and even the different tees are somewhat arbitrary. Um, as you know, in the beginning, the, the tee for the next hole was one club length from the last hole. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then it changed to two club lengths. And then it changed to um, an arbitrary um, distance so that it was off the green. 
Um, and then they, then they said, well, women want to play. All right, well, we'll give them another tee. So they gave them a three yard head start, um, and which did nothing. Um, so, um, so it's all been, it's some, it's all been somewhat arbitrary how we've done the tees and, 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 um, and, and as an industry, um, we, we're, we're sometimes guilty of saying, but that's the, the, that's the way we've always done it. So I see no reason to change. And, um, fortunately we have people like Jim Hardy and Dan Van Horn who say that's the way we've always done it. So it must need changing. (laughs) Yes. I've heard that before. Right. Right. (laughs) So then Jim, I, I presume you have a lot of what I would call your, your level of retention must be higher than average. Yes. It, 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 our, our level of retention here, um, is 70% from one year to the next. Um, and I think industry wide, you'd have to say, I don't think we have very good numbers on it, but I think you'd have to say it's probably 10% at best. Um, we do a really good job as an industry at chasing off beginners. Um, um, in fact, that's part of, part of, part of our, our, we, us kids has started a level two certification that we do here where you, um, it's terrible, but you have to come to Pinehurst and spend four days with us here in Pinehurst, um, and go through our level two training. And one of the first things that we talk about is, um, um, we, we, we have a pyramid, um, as a, as a, as a display and, um, you know, that we have, we have, about 4 million kids in in the United States that play golf and the industry fights over that 4 million kids. Meanwhile, at the bottom of the pyramid, the entry level of, of golf, if you will, there's 41 million kids who um, don't play golf and nobody's fighting over them. Um, And and nobody's doing a really good job at making sure that they have a a pleasant experience coming into golf. Um, And that's true for kids and adults. Um, literally been in a pro shop and heard uh, the, you know, a conversation between the pro and someone that comes in and says, Hey, I'm brand new. I've never played before. How do I get started? And the pros answer was you don't get started here. Whoa. Um, and, or, or um, here's a, here's the phone number to the, to the pro, the teaching pro, he's a hundred dollars an hour and you can go learn that way. Um, and so we're, and then, you know, it's funny because we wonder why we struggle as an industry to, to get our numbers better. We're, we've been somewhat stagnant for about 30 years in terms of how many golfers we have. Um, um, and, and we, and it's really because golf is a, is a very difficult game to play. Well, it's a very fun game to play as long as your expectations are realistic. Um, and so, um, unfortunately, most pros, including myself years ago, um, I just assumed that any student that was in front of me wanted, had aspirations of being a tour player. Um, and the fact is, is that most don't um, and, and, uh, and most can't ever become a tour player. Um, statistically, um, not sure how accurate this number is, but um, uh, uh, approximately five people are going to be born this year in the world that will eventually make a check on the PGA or the LPGA tour. So, um, the, that's the super lottery, right? Um, and so most of the beginners that we get in front of us, whether they're beginners or uh, whether they're kids or adults, um, don't aspire, don't have a chance to ever be a PGA tour player or, or an LPGA tour player. Um, but golf is a great game. And it's a game that you can play for a lifetime. And, and if we make it fun enough, long enough in the beginning, then they may become avid lifelong golfers. But if we try to teach them as if they're going to be a tour pro early on, they're going to go play soccer because soccer, they just roll that ball out there on the field and you start kicking it around and, um, and avoid the red card and, and you can play. Uh, so, so This is true. Yeah. To a certain extent, I agree there. <laughs> right. So I always pick on soccer because they're they're the, the wildly the most popular sport for kids, and it's a great sport. You know, they run, jump, skip, throw, fall down, get up, and catch stuff every day, which they need to do. Um, um, and soccer is a really good sport for you as far as physical fitness and things like that. Um, but I actually don't like soccer because they have all the kids, and I want some of them. 
<laughs> but when they get older, if they get really good at football, because you use your feet, unlike in American football. Right, right. Um, <laughs> then they usually, they're training for two to three hours a day and the rest of the time they're playing golf, Jim. So you, you'll get them at some point. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, Jim, is there any other... Um, is there any other aspects of U.S. kids golf that we haven't covered that you'd like to? Uh, kids golf have, have has manufactured the. It's an interesting story how that took place. Uh, Dan Van Horn took his sons uh, to a golf camp, a summer camp, uh, because Dan was an avid golfer. And he was eager for his kids to learn uh, uh, golf. And so when he picked them up from their golf camp, neither one of them were excited to go back the next day. Um, and so he said, well, I'll just, he's going to investigate this. And he found that the coach was, uh, the teacher was not all that great. Um, and the clubs were terrible. They were uh, adult clubs that had been cut off and regripped. They were extremely heavy, very stiff, and um, and pretty much unplayable for a six, seven, eight-year-old kid. Um, and and the lie angle was so far off the all the kids they'd make a good swing and hit a low trap. Um, and so um, um, he all, just got inspired that day to make a better mouse trap, if you will. And so he came out. He started U.S. Kids Golf, and he and he felt like he needed to build them with. Um, thinner grips with uh, lighter club heads with more flexible shafts. And he started with three sizes and then he moved to six sizes. And now we're at 10 sizes, um, wow. which is interesting. interesting. Um, it's a privately held company, um, which enables him to make a product. For example, the 39 inch left-handed sand wedge, which is probably the least sold club in our line. We should drop it if we were a, publicly held company um we would drop that from our line but because we still sell a few of those every year we keep them um, yeah. because there's a need for it um, um the um, we've added uh, a product for the 36 inch human um, um be, uh, our yard club uh, which uh, remind me to tell you a little bit more about the yard club in a minute but uh, we've also added a 66 inch product so we used to be you know, from the 39-inch human to the 63-inch um, human. And now we're, um, we've added uh, three inches on both sides because there's a need for it. Um, and so we've also added a woman's line of, of, of clubs because same thing there. They needed to be a little shorter than, than, the, than the main manufacturers have out there, and they definitely needed to be a little bit lighter. So We've made the heads five to ten percent lighter. We've made the shaft a little more flexible. Um, uh, the the and the swing speeds of the women have gone up that use them. Um, so I mentioned the yard club. The yard club is an interesting thing. It's it's got a oversized head um, and a formed grip on it. We um, and we uh, and it comes packaged with three foam balls um, uh, or soft golf balls so that you can play with it around the house. Um, and, and the idea there was is that if you're playing soccer or baseball, you have a, a ball and a glove at home and you play some catch with your friends or your or your dad or your mom. But in golf, you're usually it's usually frowned upon to go out and hit golf balls in the yard because golf balls break windows and and things like that. And so um, we wanted a product that was um, something that they could take home, that they could use, that they could play around with. Um, in the yard so it's called the the right start yard club and it it's made a huge difference um, in fact when when uh, when we get new students here we send them home with a yard club for free because um, the the little investment that I make in doing that ensures that I have a golfer that um, has a better chance of falling in love with golf so there's literally no 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 child that can't that, that can't have a piece of equipment to play golf with and if they if they start with U.S. kids at Longleaf, then they're going to get a, a golf club that they can use at Longleaf or back at um, or back at home. That's correct. Yeah. So we have the academy sets that they use when they're when they're here at class. Yeah. Interesting thing too here from a from a business standpoint, we didn't really expect this, but um, what we found was is that as the kids came, they would go through level one and two, um, partway through level three, using our training clubs. 
Um, um, and just like our kids want to get rid of the tra training wheels on their bicycles at a certain skill level, uh -huh. um, these kids wanted to get rid of the training grips. Um, and so as a result, um, we sold a little over $40,000 in golf clubs last year to students who were moving through the levels and decided that it was time to get the training wheels off. <laughs> um, so that was an unexpected boom. I didn't, I didn't expect that at all. Um, I just figured they would just keep using our clubs since they were, you know, only coming once or twice a week. But the the kids drove that market. The kids wanted to get rid of the training grip or training wheels, if you will. And so mom and dad were happy to buy them a set of a set of clubs with round grips on them. Fantastic. Jim, how can either coaches, golf clubs, parents, anyone get in contact with either yourself or with U.S. Kids Golf to find out? more information about one or all of these products is there multiple sites how, how can they go about sure that? yeah so i i just my email address is jhardy at uskidsgolf.com you're welcome to send me a note um the main website for us kids golf is uskidsgolf.com and then our website here for the us kids golf academy at longleaf is uskidsgolfacademy.com and then there was Longleaf as well, was there? Was that? Yeah, Longleaf. The the um, we we changed the name when we bought it from Longleaf Country Club to Longleaf Golf and Family Club because we that was another kind of initiative is that we wanted to make sure that we were oriented. Uh, the mission of U.S. Kids Golf is to introduce the lifelong game of golf to kids and to encourage family interaction. So everything that we do has either to do with encouraging family interaction or introducing uh, golf to kids. Um, and so, but that, so anyway, so that website is longleafgfc.com. Brilliant. And then if, um, if there's coaches or parents um, who want to get into kind of doing some instruction, because I know that you've revamped the um, certification, is that correct? The instructor certification? So how does That's correct, like yeah. that? Is that on the website or is that? It is. We have a, we have a coaches page on the uskidsgolf.com website. Um, and, and then there's uh, um, plenty of contact information on there to talk to myself or John Bryan. Okay. And you don't have to be a golf professional to take the certification. We, we recommend it, but it, yeah. certain situations for sure. There's a, there's the opportunity for uh, parent volunteers and things like that to, to come and take the certification. That's, that's definitely something that we that we encourage. Brilliant. And then how? So you've mentioned people get hold of you via the email. Are you on Twitter or Instagram? Anything like that, Jim? I am. I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm all all into that now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so my Instagram handle. Let's see what that is. I don't even know right off the top of my head. I know your students would. You got me on. You got me on the spot here. Um, darn it. I. I Hang on, I'll think of it here in just a second. So anyway, so uh, we have the U.S. Kids Golf Academy Facebook page and, and Instagram page. Um, and um, you, are, you are coach underscore Jim Hardy. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's funny. I know people can message you through that as well. So that's, that's, that's right. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for finding you that for me. That's all right. <laughs> I follow you. So it was, it was quicker for me to do it. The, um, if, um, if you had the opportunity, Jim, to have one more round of golf anywhere in the world with anyone dead or alive, who would be in your, it can be a twosome, threesome, foursome, whatever you want to do. Where, where would it be and who would it be with? So um, um, I would love to play golf with my grandfather and his idol, Sam Sneed. My dad and his idol, Ben Hogan. That would be it. Excellent. Where would you play? Um, I'd like to play Pebble Beach. I've yet to yet to play Pebble Beach. That surprises me. I thought you would have played Pebble. No, I, have, I had two opportunities to play Pebble, and uh, both both washed out because of weather. Oh. Um, and so, um, I, you know, I used to live in the Bay Area briefly, um, so I had a couple of opportunities to play, but never did. Um, interesting living here there's 40 golf courses in, in in this county that i live in here with pinehurst which is why it's called the cradle of american golf and um, lots and lots on the top 100 list here nearby 
um, um, but there's there's two gems here. There's the Piners number two, obviously. Yeah. There's pine, pine Needles, which they're going to hold the U.S. Women's Senior Open yeah. uh, next month here. Um, pine Needles and, and their sister course, Mid Pines, are just dynamite golf courses. Um, almost, uh, and, and I love all of the Pinehurst golf courses. And um, uh, just you just you have a hard time finding a bad golf course in this area. Excellent. And any advice you can give to young coaches uh, out there? What's the what what advice would you give to them if they want to improve or become better instructors? Yeah, I would say this about um, you know. Uh, Understand that when you have a beginner in front of you, you're teaching a different style of lesson than when you have our, an, an, an already engaged golfer. Um, too many times, um, really well-meaning, well-versed golf professionals go way too deep, go way too technical, way too early with beginners. And the problem with that is the information is all correct. They're, they're 100% spot on. But the problem is, is that if you can climb inside the head of a beginner of any age and they hear that lesson and they may, it may occur to them that this game is just not for me. And man, we don't want that. We just don't need that. We want them to find out that golf is fun. And so um, I think in the beginning, we're a little bit like salesmen in that we're, we're, we're wanting to show uh, coach, uh, we're wanting to show beginners that golf is fun and, um, and teach them in a way that's fun and simple um, and successful, you know, for, for heaven's sake, put a tee under the ball and get them to hit at the ball in the air so that they can have some success and have some fun and have that woohoo moment um, and, um, and, and try and delay um, letting the golfer know that this can be a soul crushing sport as long as you can. <laughs> Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Jim, and then you get another couple of minutes also to thank people that have kind of helped you with your um, your golfing journey, as it were, to, to the awesome position that you have. And I know that you cherish, um, I've known you, well, I've known you now for 15 years rather than just the 10 that I thought. And, um, you know, I know how much you care about growing the game and helping everyone in the game, stay in the game enjoy the game, have fun out there. You know, you've been a wonderful friend and colleague of mine. You know, I've come over for the last 10 years. I've stayed at your house. You've lent me a car. <laughs> I mean, you've done so much for me just to make my enjoyment of the game that we, we love so much. Um, you've, you've helped me enjoy it even more. So I want to thank you for that. But is there anyone out there or there's some people out there that you want to thank for helping you? Yeah, absolutely. Starting with my dad, who introduced me to the game, um, and um, um, and then my grandfather, um, and um, uh, uh, later on, the the when I first got in the golf business, I was partners with a fellow named Elroy Marty, who had played on tour for a little while, and he he had a lot to do with me getting um, uh, believing in myself. Teacher, and um, he said you had a knack for it. You need to go go through the PGA program and get get accredited is what he said. Um, and then of course, meeting, meeting the other Jim Hardy, um, it was truly life-changing. There's, there's been a few people that I've met in my lifetime that have changed the course of my life for the better, um, uh, helped me structure, um, um, the significance of what I do every day, you know, and that's, that's something that, um, um, forever grateful for 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 the older wiser more learned jim hardy for sure um i'd also have to mention uh um, um although it was brief i had a great um trip and session with stan utley that also redirected my life a bit uh, met a man named david cook who yep. um who definitely had influence on um on my golfing life and then um and then definitely there's a crew of guys that um, and gals who are, um, um, as it as it turns out, they're level three coaches with the plain truth, and and it's such a special breed. Yourself, um, uh, George, uh, Kevin Roman, um, Krista Dutton, um, um, Shane LeBaron, 
um, just so many really good guys and, and gals that have uh, that that really have the heart to share their um, ideas, experience, uh, uh, struggles with each other, always looking for a way to make the next ball better. I, I just think that that um, that 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 is um, uh, admirable and uh, honorable, and um, so so excited and, and honored to be a part of, of of a group that is, I think the that you know the next generation of great ones you know we we learn at the foot at at the feet of john jacobs and jim hardy and and some of the greatest that have ever uh that have ever played or taught this game and it's uh it's an honor to carry that on absolutely here here absolutely couldn't agree more jim jim thanks ever so much for coming on on the podcast how i teach golf i i look forward to catching up with a few texts now and again um to see how you are and uh I look forward to coming out later on in the year, and I'm sure we'll meet up at the summit, if not before. Um, you take care, and uh, thanks for coming on. My pleasure, buddy. We'll talk to you later. Cheers. Okay.